I'm talking this morning about unity again and, and, and about the enemy to unity. I mightn't get it because I've been going on a wee bit. I mightn't get doing it. But, you know, there is only one church. I believe God is doing something throughout the whole world. Throughout the whole world. It's not just about us, but he's doing it throughout the whole world. I was at a, a minister's meeting, conference meeting type thing during the week over in Emmanuel. We're all different ministers and reverends and pastors from all local area was there. And the, the speaker was from England. And guess who he was speaking on? Unity. And there was a statement that he said. He says that unity shows the character of Christ. Unity shows Christ. Without, so if we don't have unity, what are we showing? So when we come together, unity expresses Christ. Unity shows Christ. And you know, we, we have got to work together. I've got to work with you. You've got to work with me. And this church has got to work with all our churches. We have to work with all our churches because we are one body. When God looks at all of our churches, he sees one. He sees one church. And you know, sometimes as Christians, even as a Christian, we can say, well... You know, maybe you get hurt or offended or whatever, and you say, act the pot with all them. I'm just going over here with God. You know, and I'll just do my thing with God. I'm okay. Or maybe as a church, we just say, forget about everybody else. We're, we're all right here. Sure, let's just build our, our wee church here and forget about everybody else. But you see, that's totally wrong. That's pride. That's wrong. What we're saying is we're better than everybody else, and we're just going to build our own here. But, you know, we need each other. We need to work with all our churches. I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to build relationships with all our pastors and ministers of our town and of our nation. You do everything that you can to build relationships with all our people and all our churches, all our leaders. We have to do it. And, you know, there's no point talking about it. If we don't do it, who will? Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to take lead by example. Somebody's got to take the, the, the initiative and say, and take the bull by the horns and say, right, this is it. We're going to do something about it. You know, we can come. You know what? We can all, we can call for a national prayer there. We can call for a local prayer. We can get all the churches to come together tomorrow and pray. But see if we're not in relationship and in unity. Those prayers, you may as well just forget about it. The Bible says that when my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. It doesn't say when some of my people humble themselves and pray. He says that when my people, all of my people come together, humble themselves and pray in unity. He says, then I'll heal their land. How can we pray that God will heal our land when we need healed ourselves? The church is divided. We're praying God unite our country. Bring Protestants and Catholics together and unite us together whenever the church has divided itself. The church is hurting, trying to reach out to a hurting world. The church is sick, trying to reach out to a sick world. The church is divided, trying to reach out to a divided world. Man, we need to get our house in order. We need to get church in order. We need to get our lives in order. We need to get into unity. And it's only when we get into unity that God will be able to change our nation. Or else all these, sure, how many, how many times have we had prayers? How many times have we come together and done things? Has it made a difference? Has there any difference really been made? Yes, there's little things happen, but I'm talking about a serious difference. I'm talking about something that will transform where you look back and say, wow, what happened? It's all about unity. How can we expect the nation to be changed 
if we aren't changed ourselves. We need to change. We, there's something needs to happen in us. It has to start with us. We need to be united in here, but we also need to be united with the rest of the body of Christ. You see, what, what happens is we're too focused, we focus too much on looking at our differences. We focus too much looking at, at things that are wrong with us instead of coming into agreement with the things that we agree with. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit will sort out the things that are wrong. That's not point the finger at things that are wrong. Even, I'm not even talking about in here. This message is not only for in here, but it's for all, the whole body of Christ. That when we're talking about the body of Christ, we're talking about the church, we're talking about the church as a whole. That yes, we have a vision from God. Praise God, we have a vision and we will fulfill our vision by the grace of God. But as we fulfill the great, by the vision, we will help all our people to fulfill theirs. Hallelujah. Because God wants us to be united. Can we be united? Can we look past? You know, there's, there's so many fundamental, non-fundamental doctrines that really we shouldn't get caught up on. If we're born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, children of God, surely we can focus on that and work together. And you never know, maybe you know something more than, than the other person that by fellowshipping and coming in unity, maybe you'll rub off on them. You know, maybe there's something that you know that I don't know. And if we don't come together, I might never know. But if there's something that you know and I don't know, rather than you pointing a finger and saying, there's something wrong with you, why not unite with me and, say, and, and allow the Holy Ghost to work through you and rub off on me? Wouldn't that be right? How about as a church, rather than pointing our finger at all our churches and saying, well, you don't know this, or you don't have this, or you don't have the other, why not unite with all our churches and allow their rights to come into our wrongs and allow our rights to go into their wrongs and unite? The church is divided. There's more sectarianism in the church than there is anywhere else. The church is my goodness, the body of Christ is full of sectarianism. I looked up the word sectarianism. What do you see? You'll laugh when you're here. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 while we're... Sectarian is a, a member of a sect or a faction, especially one who is bigoted in his adherence to its doctrines or in, in his intolerance towards other sects. Do you know what? The body of Christ is split up into different sects. Well, this sect thinks their doctrine's better than the other sect, and they're rigid on their doctrine, and they won't work with anybody else because they believe their doctrine is 100% and your doctrine's wrong. You know what? That's sectarianism. 
I'm not going to fellowship with you because you don't believe exactly what I believe. That's pride. What you're saying is, I know it all and you know nothing. We as a church, if we, we stand and say, oh, we're not going to work with anybody else unless they believe what we believe, that's sectarianism. We're breaking ourselves away from the body of Christ because there only is one body. I'm not saying you sit under their teaching. I'm not saying you, you take in what they believe. But what I'm saying is we can come together and we can agree on the fundamentals and say let's unite together and let's do something for the Lord. I like what that guy was saying the other day in the, in the, in the meeting last week. He was saying that he, he's from, this guy's from Southampton and they have a vision for Southampton. But it's not a vision, his church's vision. It's all the churches have come together. And it says, let's come up with a vision for our city. How can we work together as different churches with a vision for our city? Can we not come together as churches and say, what's our vision for Craig Avon? How can we, how can we do things together to reach out into Craig Avon? You see, the vision is to build the kingdom and to reach as many souls as we possibly can. And if we get a church full of people, that's because we have won, we've worked and we've won so many souls. But as the be all and end all, is, is, it's not about the filling of the church. It's about winning the souls. And if the church gets full, praise the Lord. But if it doesn't, that's okay. But we need to unite together and win souls and reach out into our community, Craig Avon. If all the churches work together, guys, could we not do more? If we work together... There's nothing that can stop us if we unite in God. Because when God, when brethren dwell together, God has commanded the blessing. The blessing flows, the anointing flows. Unity, together, we can do something. And I want us to be a church that does that. I want to be a church that will work with any other church. Are you born again? Yes, right. Let's work together. That's all that matters. Doesn't matter whether you're baptized. I'm not going to turn around and say you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. Because maybe by working with us, maybe they'll get baptized in the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to ask them to believe in healing. Because maybe as they spend time with us, maybe somebody will get healed. Rather than chasing them away, bring them in. Hallelujah. So there's so much sectarianism in the body of Christ. Turn, uh, where was it? Ephesians chapter. Yes. It says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one. That whole chapter, for time's sake, is all about unity and diversity in the one body. You see, when we, when we teach this here, we always look at it as us in here. Are we, are, are, are we part, pity party or are we party in here? You know, are we, we body in here? Yes, it is, but it's also for the body. It means the body of Christ, that there should be no schism in the body of Christ. Do you, do you think it was God's plan for us to be Divided as a body. The early church, man, they were united. 
The early church was so united. All they wanted to do was win souls. All they wanted to do was, was disciple the nations. All they wanted to do was, was see people grow in the Lord. They weren't worried about numbers. They weren't worried about buildings. They weren't worried about nothing. They just wanted to win souls. Amen? says that there should be no schism in the body, but that members should have the same care for one another. There should be no schism, there should be no division, there should be no separation. But yet there is. And hey, who are we? I mean, we're not going to solve it overnight. But surely we can do something. Surely we can play a part, or do, do our part anyway, and try and to, to unite the body of Christ. If you truly want God to move in our nation, if you truly want God to move, it's only going to happen when we unite. If we truly want to win, I mean, the early church had people getting saved, swept into the, the kingdom of God by their hundreds and by their thousands, week in, week out. It's not happening today. Why? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God, it's the same spirit, it's the same word, it's the same everything. But there must be something wrong with us, because there's definitely something wrong with God, because God's perfect. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11. It says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith. So the faithful ministry, it's not just for in here, but it's for the body of Christ, so that we all come to the unity of the faith. God wants all of us, every church, Every member of the body of Christ, he wants us all to come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. That we should no longer be ch uh, children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. From, the, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share. We're a part. This church here together, we together is a part. You know, Christ's head isn't on this church and he's not, Christ's head isn't on the church down the road and Christ's head isn't on the church. There's only one head and there's only one body. And we're, this church, this this. this uh, congregation or this gathering we have is a part of the body. We aren't the body. Hallelujah. And we need to know that and we need to see that and we need to believe it and we need to, to stop, you know, just get isolated in our own wee thing here and forget about everybody else and think that we don't need everybody else and think that we're better than everybody else. We need everybody. We need every church working together. What have we got to worry about? What have we got to fear? There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to worry about. Me and Neil were talking you know, before, you know, 
maybe some ministers or some pastors or some leaders think, well, if we fellowship with the next church, then maybe we'll lose uh, members and they'll go to their church and vice versa. That's rubbish. If we work together, there'll not be enough room in these churches for all the people who win, who give their lives to the Lord. We're not here to reach out to other Christians. We're here to reach out to the world. If we, all the churches in Craigavon came together and done things together, there'd be that many people who give their lives to the Lord that, man, we will not know where to do them all. We'll not have to worry about losing members or whatever. Don't have to worry about that. We just need to be secure and safe in God and what God is doing in our lives. You can't stop people from going from one church to the other. If that's what they feel they've got to do, then you can't stop them. Amen? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. The reason why I'm talking about and I'm passionate about this is because if unity, if we truly believe that unity will make God move, or not make God move, but manifest God and, and, and see things happen in our lives, then that's our goal. Our goal is to be united with God. Our goal is to be united with each other. And when we're united with God and when we're united with each other, then God can be God in our nation. God can be God in our church. The God of the Bible, the God of the early church can be who he says he is because we are united. But the number one enemy to us being united is gossip. Do you know that... uh, God's not worried about sin. Do you know that sin doesn't stop God from moving? Because God has already dealt with sin, past, present, and future. God doesn't have a problem with sin. You know, sometimes when God doesn't move in a church, you know, we think, oh, somebody's, somebody's, somebody's got sin. Somebody's in sin. That's why God's not moving. Well, that's, if that was true, then you're putting yourself straight under the law. God, God will move. Because nobody in here can hold their hand up and say, I'm completely sinless. Can anybody stand up right now and say, I am sinless? Samuel, I'm surprised you. (laughs) 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 So that means if nobody in here can stand up and say, I am sinless, that means there's sin in here. That, but yet God moves. God doesn't move according to our sin. God moves according to his son's righteousness and what it makes us. So sin doesn't stop God from moving. That's a, that's a lie from the, the, the pit of hell. That's a load of nonsense. The only, there's only one thing that can stop God from moving, and it's gossip. It's grieving the Holy Spirit by speaking against one another and, and pulling each other down. That's when God doesn't move. Amen? Let's come together. Let's all talk about each other this week and let's come together next week and see what happens. <laughs> Don't do that. Let's pray for each other all week and think good about each other and build each other up and come together next week and see what happens. It's got nothing to do with what you or what you haven't done. It's to do with unity. Unity just manifests that which God has already done. Without any effort. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 
25, it says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. So if unity is our number one goal, gossip is our number one enemy, and I want gossip and anything that's going to stop unity, I want it out of the church. That's why I'm passionate about this. That's why I want this nailed in the head. Hands up who wants God to move. Hands up who wants unity. Hands up who wants to get rid of anything that's going to stop that. So we're going to talk about it. Amen? Because we, te- we can teach all these different teachings. You know, we can teach about the grace. We can teach about the healing. We can teach about the blood. We can teach all those things, which is praise God for them all, and it'll be all good for you, and come together and be in disunity and in disharmony and wonder what's going on. Isn't that right? So we're going to stomp this out. I, I believe God has given us step by step, as a church, step by step, every Sunday, step by step, God has taken us like he took the children of Israel through the wilderness. He's taking us step by step every, every Sunday. Therefore, putting away a line, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him, that's a very important one there. If you're angry, I'm not talking about this, you know, I'm going to kill someone. But you know, where somebody hurts you or offends you, and inside here you're hurting. Everybody deals with it differently. Don't don't let it go. Don't let the sun go down. Don't bring it to bed with you. Go to that person and sort it out. Get it. Get rid of it. Sort it out. It's not good for you. Get rid of it. If you're in a marriage, and your marriage isn't perfect, which I don't believe there's any then sort it out. Don't let the sun go down. Swallow the old pride. (laughs) Let him who stole stay no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. That is a challenge every day. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Do you know that corrupt words corrupts your life? If you speak corrupt words, you will bring corruption into your life. If you don't want to have a corrupted life, don't speak corrupt words. Only speak words that will impart grace. If you speak words that impart grace, you'll be a life full of grace. It'll just flow out of you. Every time you see someone, think of someone Always impart grace. Bless them, encourage them, make them feel good. Do whatever you have to do. Bless them, encourage them, lift them up. But whatever comes out of your mouth before you say it, is it important grace or is it corruption? That's a challenge from one week to the next, isn't it? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. Hallelujah. I'm really getting tight for time here. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 28 says, A perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. A perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. I know when I was growing up, there used to be about 40 or 50 of us in the gang, 
you know, or whatever you want to talk about, or a, a clique or whatever. You know, you, when we're growing up in a housing estate, there was always a, a, a good lot of us. But I always remember that every now and again, you would have got a, a, a new guy would have come in, you know, and, and made friends with us. And then all of a sudden, you know, you would have realized there was strife in the gang or in the camp. There was like, you know, people starting to argue with each other and, and there was division. And you're going to yourself, what's going on here? Last week, man, we were, having the, we were having the ball. We were having the blast. We were united as a gang. Man, we thought we were great. <laughs> and then some guy comes in. You know why? Whispering, slandering, taking this one, speaking things to this one against this one, speaking things against this one against this one. And all of a sudden, everybody's fighting and everybody's arguing. And all of a sudden, there's no unity anymore. Has that ever happened? Have you ever experienced that? A new friend comes on the scene. And all of a sudden, you're fighting with the friend that you had. <laughs> you're going, what's going on here? Everything was all right. And then all of a sudden, my best friend's fighting with me. Because the other new friend has been going, psh, 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 slander. Turn to John 6, 70. I'm going to show you something that maybe you've seen before, maybe you haven't. But I hope it gets you to really think. Because I want you to really, really see how dangerous it is to gossip. How, how gossip kills the spirit. How gossip kills unity. And I know people do it and they don't mean to. and They don't mean to do any harm. And I know people do it and they, and they just do it because they don't realize maybe the, the dangers or what it's doing. But after today, you will know what gossip does. John 6, verse 70. It says, Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. So Jesus here was speaking to his twelve disciples, and he says, One of you is a devil. That word there, devil, is also the, is the word diabolos, D-I-A-B-O-L-O-S. It's Greek, and that word devil is diabolos, and it's also translated as slanderer, malicious gossip as well. False accuser as well, yes, praise the Lord. So when you hear, whenever Jesus was saying, you're, you're a devil, he wasn't actually saying you're the devil. What he was saying was, you're a false accuser, you're a slanderer, and you're a malicious gossip. You're a diabolos. It's the same word that's in, if you quickly go to uh, 1 Timothy 3.11. 1 Timothy 3.11 says, Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, meaning that's not delabolos. It says, not Dilabolos in the, in the New Testament Greek. Temperate, faithful in all things. Go to uh, 2 Timothy 3.3. 3. It says, unloving, unforgiving, slanders again, Dilabolos. Slanders without self-control, brutal and despisers of good. False accuser, slanderer, malicious gossip. So when Jesus says, you, you devil, he was saying, you delabolos, you slanderer, you false accuser, you malicious gossip. 
You see, Jesus knew that Judas... See, Judas, we, Judas was always gossiping to the Pharisees. Judas would have been gossiping to the Pharisees because Judas would have been moaning and complaining all the time. For example, remember the time whenever Mary came with a bottle of alabaster jar and he broke it and poured it over Jesus and, and Judas turned around and says, why was that not sold and the money given to the poor? Moaning and complaining and going to the Pharisees. You see, uh, whenever you gossip, gossip will always lead to betrayal. Judas betrayed Jesus. But it didn't just happen overnight. It was, a it was a process where he was gossiping. He was a malicious gossip. He was a slanderer. He was a false accuser to the Pharisees. And eventually one day it got such a, it consumed him and it got a grip of him that much that he betrayed Jesus. If you, if you gossip about anybody, it will eventually cause you to betray them. Does that happen in the church? How many, come on, let's be real. How many, how easy is it for us right now to be in a conversation and all of a sudden say something about the church down the road? I'll use an example to my shame. Last week, and we're talking about not grieving the Holy Spirit. Last week, David was telling me that he was at, and this will challenge, this even challenge, I'm talking, I was talking about a religious mindset last Sunday and I was challenged myself. David was at, uh, Vineyard in, in Korean, and he, I was asking him about the about the uh, the service, what how it went. He says, "Oh, it was it was pretty good. You know, that 15 minutes of worship, and then we had a cup of tea and a few buns, and and then all of a sudden, while we were finishing our tea off, the guy starts preaching, and without even thinking, it came out of my mouth. He says, oh, God will kill the Holy Spirit. That's no good. <laughs> See how easy it's done. To my shame, I had to repent." How many times do we quickly say things out of our mouth? I've just slandered that church. I've just spoken against that church. That church, which is part of me, that church is part of me. That church is the body of Christ. That's a part of me. I'm speaking against myself. Talking about, I'm, I'm talking about killing the Holy Spirit. Who's killing the Holy Spirit? Out there, from me. That's how easy it is. That's how easy we can grieve the Holy Spirit. When we're, the very thing that we're speaking about somebody else, we're actually the one who's killing the Holy Spirit, grieving Him. How, how easy and how quickly do we say things about all our churches? Oh, so we're better. So does that, by me saying that, what I'm saying is that light of the world's better than, than uh, vineyard. The Holy Spirit can, can move through anything. If they're united, eating their buns and drinking their tea, praise the Lord, because the Holy Spirit's there more than if we're doing our worship and we're not united. Talk about being challenged. A religious mindset. Oh, because we do it this way in our church and they do it that way. Oh, I couldn't do that. Drinking tea while I'm hearing the word. And, and the buns. And, and, Sa and Samuel sneaking up and give me your bun. <laughs> Isn't that a challenge? The next time you start thinking about another brother in the Lord, the next time you start thinking about another church and how they do things and what they believe, don't be too quick to say anything. 
think. Think. Because you see, what happened was the way they do things was challenging my religious mindset. The way they do things was challenging the way I believe things should be done. Because I love flowing in the Holy Ghost. I love worship and I love flowing in the, in the Spirit and I love flowing into the Word. But that's just the way I like it. But it doesn't mean anybody else, everybody else is wrong. That's just the way they do it. Hallelujah. That's their system. This is our system. Whether you like it or not, you can't get out of systems. You get a system that you like and just enjoy it. And don't speak against anybody else's system because their system is part of, part of the same body. See, every time you preach on a Sunday, you always get challenged. You always get challenged in what you preach. Somebody says you need to practice what you preach, but the other way you can look at it is you need to preach what you practice. Which one is it? <laughs> do you practice what you preach or do you preach what you practice? So, slanderer. That word diabolos, when Jesus was saying to Judas, you devil, he was saying, you slander, you, you malicious gossip. That's, that's serious, isn't it? That when the Bible talks about a slandering and about malicious gossip, it's the exact same word that Jesus used when he described Judas. Now, if, if unity shows Christ, what does disunity show? If, if unity, if we come together and it manifests the presence of God, if we're in disunity, what does it manifest? <laughs> what does the world teach? Come on, guys. You can't blame the world for not coming to church. Can you really? Like, can you blame them? We well, must be nutcases coming here. <laughs> it's only because we know what Christ has done for us. Isn't that right? When I first got saved, I thought, oh, I'll get saved and... I'll go to church once on a Sunday and, you know, and I'll, have a, I'll quieten down, I'll calm down a wee bit. Little did I know what was involved in Christianity. Praise God that it didn't because it's absolutely amazing. And it's a journey. It's a long journey. It's an amazing journey that I have begun. And it's a long way ahead of me. Hallelujah. But you can't blame people of the world not coming because even to look at the church, all they see is hypocrisy and division. That's all they see, hypocrisy and division. Why? Because we're not in unity. We're not in unity with ourselves, we're not in unity with God, and we're not in unity with each other. You see, if you're with, when we're in unity with each other, or sorry, with ourselves and with God, we'll not be hip, uh, hypocritical. And if we're in unity with each other, there'll not be any division. So we can't blame the world. So we're, we can put on all the programs we want, we can put on all the evangelism we want, we can put on uh, all the, the events we want. Man, put them on every week if you want. Let's see how many people come to church. But that's come together in unity. And that's show the, the true presence and character of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. If Jesus was truly manifest in this place, the world would come running, crying. When Jesus walked this earth 2,000 years ago, they were coming in their thousands. They were begging. They were crying out, Jesus, touch me. Jesus, heal me. They'd be coming through the doors going, please, somebody pray for me. I hear people are getting healed. I hear people are, are getting uh, changed. People are getting blessed. They'll come running to the church. We'll not even need to go look at them. They'll come. Jesus never went looking for anybody. They came to Jesus. I'm not saying don't go out into the streets and evangelize. I don't mean that that way. God wants us to get out there. 
But I'm saying if we truly, truly are united and showing the, the character of Jesus Christ and the nature of Christ, they'll come flocking. Gossip will lead to betrayal. When Jesus was saying, you devil, you delabolos, he was saying, you slander, you're going you're gonna, to uh, gossip about me and you're going to betray me to my enemies. That's what Judas done. He betrayed Jesus to his enemies, to the Pharisees. If you get caught up in gossip, somewhere along the line, there'll be a betrayal. You'll betray your friend. You'll betray your, 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 your cousin. You'll betray your brother. You'll betray someone. If you continue gossiping about someone, it will ultimately lead to betrayal. Don't get on that. Don't get caught up in it. You may say, well, I don't gossip. That's okay. But you may listen to it. Listening to it is just as bad. Listening to it will, you see that gossip, you know what it is? It's a poison. It will poison your spirit and it will poison everybody around you who will listen to you. Don't allow that poison. If you're listening to gossip, you may as well open up your mouth and say, here, pour that, pour that poison into me. It'll poison you, it'll come, contaminate you, and it'll poison everybody around you. Gossip is poison. Don't listen to it. Put the person right, or tell them to go and talk to that other person. I haven't got time, but I'm going to have to go quickly too. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, he says, a little leaving, leaving's the whole lump. If we walk with the wise, we become wise. If you walk with gossipers, you'll become a gossiper. If you walk with people who are poisoned, you'll end up poisoned. Hallelujah. Matthew, this is just a quick one that we can... This, is, this, is so, this here, if we do this, there won't be any gossip in the church. Matthew chapter 8. I'm sorry, guys, but I don't want to... Uh, I just have to go get it finished. Matthew chapter 18. Sorry, Matthew 18, verse 15. Sorry, I'll do verse 21 right down, and then I'll go back. Verse 21. It says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 77, 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay his master, commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Does that remind you of anybody? Is that you and, you and God, me and God, me us and God, isn't that right? But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, this same guy <laughs> had just been totally set free. Went to one of his guys and said, hey, you, you owe me money. <laughs> and he just been, minutes before, he had just been released and he goes up to him and says, you owe me money. You see, God has forgiven us everything. If I begin to slander you and gossip against you, I'm taking, what I'm doing is taking you by the throat and forgetting that God has forgiven me. It says, So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, I will pay you all. And he would not, 
but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and had came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. What debt are we talking about? Jesus paid it all on the cross, all our debt, all our sins, everything that we ever will do or have done has been wiped clean. But yet we can go to somebody and say, you owe me. You see, if, you, if, if, I, if, you, if, you, if I hold on forgiveness towards you, I'm, I'm saying you owe me debt. You owe me. You owe me forgiveness. You need to say sorry to me. But yet God has wiped our debt clean. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother in his trespasses. Let's go to verse 15 as we almost finish. Moreover, this is the remedy here. This is, if we could do this, if we, guys, if we love each other and if we are the body of Christ and if we are children of God, guys, if we stick to this here, there'll be no problem. It says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, hurts you, offends you, or does what you think is wrong to you, it says, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. You see, if somebody annoys me, hurts me, or offends me, I will take them on their own because I respect them, and I will say to them, listen, you've done this, and have it out with them. If we end up, if we end up fighting, if we end up arguing, so what? We get it sorted out. I'm not saying to fight, I'm not saying to <laughs> But I could get hated, isn't that right? It says, tell him a fault between you and him. So if me and Neil has a problem, I go to Neil and say, Neil, I have a problem with you. Let's get it sorted. We get it sorted. It says, but if he, if he hears you, you have gained your brother. It says, but if you will not hear, if he will not, if Neil doesn't hear me, if I go to Neil and say, Neil, listen, I have a problem with you, and Neil doesn't hear me. It says, take with you one or two more. So then I grab, I grab Shirley, and I grab Derek, my two friends, and I say, come on, we need to talk to Neil here. I'm going to go to Neil. It says, if you take two or more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, so he now, if, he, if Neil refuses now to work with me or if he refuses to work with the three of us, it says, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. As surely I say to you, whatever you bind, forget about that. We haven't got time. Do you see what's happening here? This is a principle that if Neil hurts me, I don't go around telling anybody else. I don't need to tell Deidre that Neil's hurt me. Oh, Deidre, you know, Neil, how could he do that to me? Blah, blah, blah. I'm hurt. She's hurt. She may be going to tell somebody else. No, I go to Neil and say, Neil, you've hurt me. Let's sort it out. Be a man. Be a woman. Sort it out. Don't go and tell everybody else. Don't spread. I'm not going to spread that poison to you. And maybe it's a misunderstanding. Maybe he has hurt me, but he didn't know it. So then all of a sudden... I've told you, right? Me and Neil then become best buddies. And everything's sorted out. And Deidre, she's still hurt. Deidre's still hurt and, and affected and offended by what he did to me. But yet me and him's okay. We're 100%. So now Deidre's hurt and offended. And she's carrying that in her heart. And maybe she's told somebody else and somebody else. She maybe have a few people who are carrying a hurt and are offended. 
and it's pulling them down, but yet me and Neil's best of buddies. Hey, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Everything's great. Can you see that? Guys, if we do this, let's be a man. Let's be a woman. If I've hurt you, be a man enough to come and tell me. How many times growing up, how many people in here has got brothers and sisters? You grew up with brothers and sisters. How many times did your brother and sister hurt you? Did you run away? Did you leave them? You sorted it out. Ah, I would say there's some, some going on in that Davison family, I tell you. <laughs> you didn't run away, you sorted it out. Guys, let's sort it out. Let's not, you know, take, allow your hurt to, to go on to somebody else and somebody else, somebody else. Come to me, come to you, come to that person and say, guys, let's sort this out. We're, we are the body of Christ. I need you. You need me. We're one body. We're children of God. We're in the same family. We have the same blood. You know, I'm closer to you than I am with my own physical sister here on earth because she's not a Christian. I, I, I'm more closer to you. I'm more attached and connected to you. You and I will be together forever. Me and my sister may not. We are connected. We are the body of Christ. Don't do what it says. Go to the person, pull them aside on their own and say, sort it out. Now, fair enough, the person might get angry and then you go to two or three other people and say, come on, we need to talk to Leslie here. And then if it gets to a point where you can't, if it gets out of hand, then obviously then it has to be told to the church. That's what the Bible says. Amen? Amen. You know, you know what it boils down to? Forgiveness. It's how much you believe and know you're forgiven. You see, you can tell how much somebody knows how much they're forgiven by how much they forgive. You see, if you don't fully understand how much you're forgiven, you will struggle to forgive other people. If you meet someone who is so easily forgiving, you know that they know they're forgiven. They've got the revelation and they understand, man, who am I to not forgive you when my Father in heaven has forgiven me all things? But if you don't understand the grace of God, if you don't understand how much God loves you and how much God has forgiven you, man, you'll hold grudges and you'll hold unforgiveness in your heart because it's what you know. So if you struggle with that, ask God to give you more understanding of forgiveness. Ask God to show you his love more. Ask God to show you his grace more. So that the grace that you receive from God is the, is the grace that you give to others. You can't give to others more than what you know yourself. You can't give to others more than what you've got. I can't be any more graceful to you than what God is to me. If God's hard on me, man, I'm going to be hard on you. But if God is loving and caring and forgiving, I'm going to be loving, caring and forgiving to you. Because that's what I know. That's what I see. Hallelujah. That's why teaching about righteousness, teaching about grace, teaching about the love of God is the greatest teachings of all because it sets you free. And when it sets you free, it sets everybody free around you. Everybody else will not have a headache. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Sorry, guys, for going over time. May God bless you. Father, we just thank you today, Lord, for your word. Thank you that we are forgiven. Thank you that we are your body. And I pray, Lord, that we would be united for one cause, one purpose, one dream, one vision. Your vision, God, to bring your kingdom here on earth. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen.